All right. You ready to rock? Let's do it. Let's roll. Let's freaking go. From Boston University, this is the VU News Service Podcast, where we catch you up on a story you may have missed from this past week. Each episode, we'll take a deep dive into something that happened that we think is cool or important or underappreciated. We'll showcase work from our fellow BU students and highlight stories from Boston, New England, and beyond. I'm Bart Tachi. And I'm Shannon Sollett. On the pod today is Zoe Allen. She is a student at Boston University, and she interviewed Anthony Duda. He's a paranormal investigator based in what he describes as historic and haunted Boston, Massachusetts. He's been actively investigating the paranormal for over 40 years, and he's been conducting investigations in New England as well as throughout the United States and worldwide. In this episode, Zoe Allen will speak with Anthony Duda about some of his favorite and most interesting paranormal experiences and how he got started in the first place. Zoe, take it away. My first question for you is pretty simple, but how did you start your work as a paranormal investigator? Well, actually, it started um, my work as a paranormal investigator. It, it's it's always sort of been in the family, and it actually started as as far back as 1962, <laughs> and um, that was my sort of first paranormal experience. And um, and it wasn't unusual to go to my 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 my, my mom's side. Uh, uh, my family was right off the boat from Ireland, and what they did is they they would carry they carried a lot of the, the uh, superstitions from Ireland uh, with them over to this country. Not so much my mom, but um, you know my aunts and my uncles. So it wasn't unusual to go to an aunt's and uncle's house, and they'd be in the middle of a séance or a Ouija board session. And and that sort of like um, sort of got me got me into it. But really, I had my first paranormal experience in 1962. I was four years old, and um, so it, it really that sort of set the stage. So um, great. And when did you decide you wanted to pursue that? Um, obviously, you'd grown up with it, but when did you decide you wanted to make it something pivotal and like a career path? Oh, back in the seventies. Uh, yeah, back in the seventies. It's it's my my background is in law enforcement and and in the medical field too. So I sort of put the two to two and two together, and actually they do go together. And a good investigation is a good investigation. So I use a lot of the um, law enforcement and actually you know sort of medical stuff too, because um, it, it all sort of comes together in an invest in an investigation. And it all works, you know, it all, it really all comes in handy. So I just went with it and, and that's what I do full time now. I'm retired. So, um, you know, this, this is what I do. Well, on your website, it says that your purpose is not to try to convince us that the paranormal ex- exists as no scientific proof exists, regardless of what some may claim. And that your hope is to clarify and help us na- negotiate what has become a minefield of misguided information and blatant attempts to deceive. So I just want to know what makes you different from other paranormal investigators? Like what makes you special? Well, I don't consider myself special and I don't consider myself an expert. Got it. So there are no experts in the paranormal. And if anyone says they're an expert in the paranormal, um, you know, you always see this on TV, you know, paranormal expert, you know, XX. You know, John Smith, paranormal expert, and no one's an expert in the paranormal because how can they be? Um, 
So first of all, you know, let's say that. But um, what makes me different, I think, is 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 experience. I mean, I've just been in it for so long. Mm-hmm. You know, so many people got into it. You know, when all of these shows started on TV about you know ten, fifteen years ago, and they thought, oh, that's cool. You know, let's get into this. You know, it's it's you know we like what we see on TV. It's fun. But I was in it long before all of that. You know, way before all of that. And um, so that's that's number one. Number two, I think, is just my background, uh, just in law enforcement, um, you know, and sort of the, the, the medical healthcare background that I have. That helps a lot. And um, with dealing with people and, um, you know, and, and sort of the way I go about investigations. So that. Um, that makes a makes a huge difference. It just just there's a, there's really a pattern in the paranormal, and when you see this um, long enough, and when you've been in this field long enough, you see this pattern coming up over and over and over again. And I consider myself a paranormal investigator, not a ghost hunter, because I, I go through the whole gamut of things, not just you know hauntings and 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 hunting for ghosts or hunting for spirits. So that's it too. I take the whole spectrum in, uh, not just you know things you see on TV. Mm-hmm. So that I think makes me makes me stand out. And there are, there are some of us in the field that have been in this 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 field for a long 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 time. Um, you know, not just the craze that people got into it when they you know when the craze started on TV. Yeah, and so would you say that the difference between, or at least in your mind, a ghost hunter and a paranormal investigator is just you're, you're saying you do more than that? But is there any other differences? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 as far as differences as as far as well, the difference is well, first of all, there's a lot of differences. The way I go about things. It's not like you see on I, – I constantly have to clarify with people. People say, why don't you do it like those guys on TV? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't do it like those guys on TV because I've been doing it a lot longer than those guys on TV. And that's entertainment, you know, and, I, and, and, and not all of it. I mean, I'm not, say, I'm, not, I'm not slamming what you see on TV, um, but a lot of it I see and I roll my eyes, number one. And, and the second biggest thing is, is as I said, is – I take in the whole gamut of things. It's 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 you know I take in everything from from you know UFO investigations to cryptid investigations to ghost hunting to anything unusual. The paranormal is anything you know. It's it's just what the word means. It's anything outside the normal, anything in the peripheries of the normal. So that's what I that's what I investigate, and okay. that's what's so different than 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 what you see on TV and what's, and then, you know, is, is what someone describes themselves as a ghost hunter, as opposed to a paranormal investigator. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that for me. Um, I can't say that I'm super versed on a lot of this stuff, but I'm very, very interested. Um, so you're talking about one of the things that sets you apart is just how much experience you have. So I assume with these decades, this decades worth of experience that you have, um, you have a lot of crazy experiences, whether they ended up being paranormal or not, or just something that was easily explainable and might not have some, like seemed like it at the time. So I was just wondering if you could tell me some stories about some of your paranormal investigations, maybe some that have been of the most interest to you or... Well, yeah, I mean, we, we had one, I don't like to mention names, 
we had one um, in Boston. This was about, I guess it was a couple of years ago. And there were th- uh, three women, three young women that went to college in Boston. I won't mention the, the name of the school. Okay. And they shared an apartment. And uh, one of them brought in, they, they started, it was, it was a nice apartment. And, and what had happened is all of, the, all of a sudden, nothing, nothing was going on in the apartment. And then all of a sudden, things started happening in the apartment. And uh, when, you, when, when you have that situation, you have to look at the timeline because that's usually something that, that they've done in the apartment or it's something they've brought into the apartment, like an object that when, when all of a sudden nothing happens and all of a sudden something starts happening. And uh, what had happened is, and sometimes it's something insignificant they don't even remember, that you have to sort of say, you know, come on, think, what did you bring into the apartment? And one of them brought in a, a necklace from, from an antique shop they bought at an antique shop. And uh, there's a lot of emotional attachment to things, especially jewelry, because you don't know what the provenance is. You don't know, you know, what the story is with that piece of jewelry. And apparently, um, you know, what, we, what we've, I work with a psychic medium and uh, what had happened is that was, you know, there's a lot of a sentimental value with that. And the, the gentleman that had given that to his significant, significant other, um, you know, came along sometimes you get more than you bargained for yeah that came along with that with that necklace and was really attracted to one of the the females and it wasn't you know it wasn't a a horrible thing i mean it wasn't you know like a a vicious or uh, um, a malicious type of haunting he was just um he was just there he came along for the ride basically with the necklace and um you know and he was there and and you know and and it was that type of thing and that was in boston and we had to explain to him that they didn't want him in the apartment and a lot of times it's it's a type of situation where um people don't want to get rid of the spirit they just want to know what it is or or you know these things startle more than scare they just you know they're they're there and, and he was there with the women and they just didn't want him there so we had to sort of get get rid of him uh a lot of times things we have we, we had one in 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 the in boston where a lot of old places uh were once orphanages and now there's all kinds of laws of you know child abuse laws things like that years ago there were none of those laws to protect kids and anyone could basically open up their house as an orphanage or whatever and you'd be surprised the number of the places that used to you know be like makeshift orphanages people would just take in kids and we had a situation like that where um the basement had a, an old room which was a coal cellar and it was like a, a room that and the the um man would lock kids in in the room and basically abuse them these a lot of these things are ugly and they're just very ugly situations you want just want to take a shower after you do the investigation and uh you know a lot of these things were able to confirm afterwards the records and things like that when when things involve kids those are the ones that uh, they really they really get to you because especially when you can confirm all of this stuff afterwards and um we had we had that in Boston, and we've had more we've had more than our share of those things. Not just in Boston, but around New England. We had we had another one in New England. Uh, I've mentioned this before, where uh, these people moved into the house, and uh, this woman was a research scientist and in Boston, but the house wasn't in Boston. They rented the house, 
and she wasn't into this at all uh, as far as the paranormal but her husband was he would watch all these shows and he really got into this type of thing and um, the house was uh, he brought these he he's, used to do Ouija board sessions and things like that and he basically opened up a portal into this house and all these things came through and um, a lot of times these things will, will attach to the, 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 the most skeptical person in the house because they just want to sort of attack that person to say, hey, I'm here. You don't believe in me. Mm-hmm. And this, this woman was, was 100 pounds soaking wet, this research scientist, and she was super skeptical. And while we were setting up our equipment, uh, whatever these, these thing, this thing was, literally picked this woman up and slammed her against the wall and then pinned her to the bed. And there were five of us there, and we were trying to get her off the bed. And we couldn't like we couldn't like peel her off the bed. You could see her; something was holding her down in the bed. You could actually see the she was being pressed into the bed. And then all of a sudden, just like the, you could snap your finger, it let go. And as we were trying to pull, you know, there were like five of us. We were big guys. I mean, we used to you know law enforcement. And and as we were trying to peel her off the bed, it, it just like let go, and we we fell backwards because it, you know it it let up, and you know. You know, we just fell backwards and it was just sort of like saying, you know, look what I can do, Yeah. you know, and, um, yeah. So, you know, we've had our, we've had our share. Yeah. So I have a few questions for you based off of that. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing those stories, but I guess for the first story that you told when you said you had the spirit that attached itself onto the piece of jewelry, I think it was a necklace that the, one of the girls brought into the apartment. So how do you tell, like, how would you go about communicating with the spirit and telling them, hey, we don't really want you here? Okay. Well, what I do is I work with the psychic medium. And okay. the psychic medium also happens to be my husband. Okay. So, <laughs> and we've been, now, so I work with a psychic medium. So getting back to your neck, the necklace, you know, a lot of times, you know, I, I'm the tech guy. You know, I'm not the most psychic person in the world. So a lot of times, uh, you know, an investigation, he'll take the lead. I'll bring him in. So in this particular investigation with the necklace, that's where he comes in. You know, and he can literally talk to, he can literally talk to these entities. He can literally see these entities. We do, and I don't say this on the website because I have to keep this kind of quiet. Mm-hmm. We do cold cases for police departments. And we travel all over the world in cold cases cold cases because i i used to you know when i used to be in in law enforcement we did one here in in recently in in new hampshire um and when cold cases never go cold they always stay open until they find you know they solve them they could be 50 years old they could be 75 years old there's always somebody that's that's um you know that cold case is left with until it's solved that's where they call it you know they call people like us in but they don't mention that they don't talk about that so you know we've done we've done them in england we've done them in brazil we've been in france we've been in australia to do cold cases and um and and walton takes the lead with that but anyway he can see talk hear he, he he can actually recreate the scene it's like a video that goes on in his mind and he can see what happens so and he's one of the few people that can do that so in this this necklace case he, he was actually able to see this this gentleman he could actually describe this gentleman he could actually talk to this gentleman and when you when when someone is alive on this plane in other words they were they're a ghost they were once a, a person you can reason with them 
you can talk to them. You can tell them to move on. You can describe. You can set, tell them why these people were upset. When when you're dealing with with something that wasn't alive on the script, I hate to use the term demons because that's such a, like a Hollywood term, mm-hmm. and it's so overused. And it's it's like it, it, that's such a minority of hauntings. It's like almost non-existent. But everyone wants every all these ghost hunters want to say demon, 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 demon. There's there's almost hardly any of those types of things. When when you're dealing with something like that, you it's hard to deal with on on a human term because they weren't ever alive. On, so you can't deal with them like Aunt Martha that just passed over. You know what I mean? It's like like if if someone was alive on this term, you can deal with them on human terms because they were human once. They were alive on this term. When you're dealing with a non-human entity, something that bites, that scratches, you know, when somebody's telling me something like that, that they're dealing with something like that, you're probably not dealing with a human ghost. Something was alive at this time because you know the human ghost, somebody that was alive on 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 this plane at one time. You know, humans don't usually bite, scratch, growl, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So when you're dealing with something like that, you can't deal with them on this on a human term. You can't reason with them because they were never alive. They were never a human entity to begin with. But but when you're dealing with something that that this gentleman that was like, you know, sort of in love with one of these people, the, these women that brought them, you know, that took the necklace from the, uh, the uh, antique shop, you can deal with them, that person on a human term because they were human. At one time, he was just sort of a lovelorn, love lost spirit that you know was attached to the necklace, and um, so you can tell him to move on. You can talk to him. You can reason with him in human terms. Yes. Okay. What would you say makes being a uh, sorry a paranormal investigator worth pursuing as a profession? Like, why do you do what you do at the end of the day? Because it's cool, and I love to be scared. <laughs> and, <laughs> You want the truth? Yeah. That's it. It's, <laughs> I'll tell you, Zoe, that's it. Okay. It's, 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 it's I, I, I've always been interested in spooky stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm still interested in spooky stuff. I'm a six-year-old kid. And and I'm 63, and I'm a 66-year-old kid. And I will never, I will always love Halloween, and I'll always be interested in the spooky stuff. And, and that's it that that's that's exactly it and i and i can't i can't make it any more plain than that you know it's not it's not out to find you know we'll never find the answer to this at at least not in my lifetime and not even i'm sure you're much younger than me not even in your lifetime Mm -hmm. and and uh because it's just not in we're we're not asking the right questions it's not in it's not in traditional science the answers aren't in traditional sciences it's in quantum science somewhere somewhere and quantum theory and 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 we're not asking we're not asking the right and and we and we won't and you know what i don't want to because because i don't i don't want to, tomorrow to find out i have the solution to all this no because then i'll then that takes the fun out of it and and no i don't want to but but i do want to present the evidence and let let people decide for themselves and um, so, yeah, because tomorrow, you know, it's, it's like taking Halloween away from me. Tomorrow, they say, there's no more Halloween. Halloween doesn't exist anymore. Well, bummer, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you're also doing a great job of just, like, leading into the next question I want to ask, um, which is about Halloween. And I just want to know if for any reason, well, not for any, obviously there would be a reason because it's Halloween, but if you're busier usually during the Halloween season. I am. I'm busier for two reasons. <clears throat> I'm busier during the Halloween season, usually with like radio interviews and lectures and things like that. 
this this year not so much because of the health thing going you know all this nonsense going on so this year i took a sabbatical that's great that's number one number two uh this year people get into the spirit this year pardon the pun but they do they get in they get in they get into it this year for a couple of reasons well it's not just halloween it starts when the weather gets colder okay because because people in the summer people are out of their home they're away from the home they're on vacation they're and and so they don't notice things you know they're away from their home once people spend more time in their homes they notice things in their homes and you know they notice all the little sounds the creaks the groans the you know the house settling the you know everything in our house they notice the shadows this that because they're in the house more so obviously they 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 call me more i think everybody not just me because you know they're they're in their house more so every little thing they notice so in the in the winter in the cooler months the colder months it picks up in the summer months things things die down a little bit uh, but especially in October, yeah, and and you'd be surprised, the people that want to call uh, paranormal investigators, just for the entertainment value, you know, and that that's pisses me off a little bit, you know, to be honest with you, and and a lot of this has to do with the shows on TV because, you know, it's almost like paranormal investigators, and that's one bad thing the shows have done, it's they're sort of like you know they're the, a lot of the public thinks you know it's sort of like. Uh, we're entertainers, you know, we're, 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 we're to come to their home to entertain them for free, you know, and um, kind of, let's call the, you know, let's call the paranormal investigator to do a ghost hunt in our home, you know, and, um, and uh, yeah, but you can, you can sort of weed out those people right away. And uh, yeah, so yeah, it does pick up this time of year, usually, usually starting in late September, all through the cold months. And then in the spring, it's sort of like, you know, you can you can guarantee it sort of dies down a little bit. But the reason is people start spending less time in their home. You know, once they start going outside more, the weather gets better and, you know, they're away from their homes more. Then it dies down again and it picks up again when, you know, late September again. Got it. Well, that makes sense. Um, I guess one of my last questions or the last question I have for you is just, is there a certain instance that you've just felt very connected, had a very powerful experience, something that was maybe life-changing for you in your field of work. Life-changing in my field of work. Yeah, or just like a, a, par- a paranormal experience, I guess. Life-changing. Well, uh, probably the one in 1962. Okay. Because that's the one that got me, that's the one that got me really started on all of this. And that was the one, and I don't mention it. I, I I I allude to it on a blog. I did I did a blog. If you go on the Boo blog, which is part of my website, okay. And and uh, I had <clears throat> I had an uncle, and I make, I'll make this short and sweet as I can, so <laughs> I don't keep you. But I had an uncle that went down on, on a submarine in 1944 on the submarine's maiden voyage, and the submarine was called the USS Escalar. Okay. And and um and it was and we've been looking for the submarine ever since and we thought we found it like a few years ago i was supposed to be on, on the hunt for the submarine off the coast of japan but i had to be in brazil on an investigation and i couldn't be on the hunt so so um anyway it, it, but it wasn't where we thought it was after all this investigation that we did but but in 1962 my mom used to t- take me i was four years old and my mom used to take me 
every year right around my birthday to get my picture taken. And she always used to take me to JCPenney at the time. It was called Penny's. Okay. At, to get at the little photo studio there to get my, get, get my picture taken. And in the little cubicle to get my picture taken, there was my mom and the photographer. That was it. And, and me. And the photographer was trying to get me to smile. And I wanted no parts of it. I was miserable that day. It's hard to believe I could be miserable, right? <laughs> and and I was trying, and he was trying to get me to smile. And he had this little blow up cat toy to try to holding it in front of me to try to get me to smile. And I thought this guy was like a jerk. And very clearly in my right ear, I heard, and I remember it was on me, my mom, and this photographer, and standing in front of me with this stupid camera. And very clearly in my right ear, I I heard a male voice, you know, just like somebody's. Not even whispering, talking in my right ear, saying, "Look at that idiot. He wouldn't last a day on the boat." <laughs> okay, and it wasn't until years later that I I realized that, and I and I was four years old. I remember all the way back to when I was two years old. I have like a photographic memory, and it wasn't until like years later that I realized that they called submarines boat in the navy. They call submarines boats. They don't call them ships. And my my aunt. Who is who just died? You know, only last December. She was the last living sibling of my mother. Said, always used to say, "Sally, that's my mother's name, Sarah. Sally, Joe, my my try to follow me in here now. Joe, my 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 uncle that went down in the submarine. He was only twenty years old, twenty two years old when he went down. They never found him. Okay. Said she always used to say, Joe, Joe is following him around, meaning me. And my mom always used to say." Don't tell him that you'll scare him. And uh, and she, but my 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 aunt was sort of psychic. She was like she was like the black sheep of the family. Everybody thought she was crazy, and she was a little crazy. She was eccentric. But she, and and um, but she always used to say, "Joe is following him around." Joe, is, I see Joe following him around. My uncle the dud. And um, and that was the experience that I had that started this all. So, so life changing, yeah. That was that I have to say was the life changing experience that started me off with on all of this. And every time I try to get away from the Escalar, it always pulls me back. Like for example, and I, again, I'm sorry, I'm long winded here. No, but you're when good. I, that that weekend that they were looking for the Escalar off the coast of Japan, where, where we thought it was, where it wasn't. I got off the airport in Sao Paulo in Brazil because we had an investigation down there. As soon as I walked out of the the, the airport, the, the first thing I saw was a was a white van in big red letters, and written on the side of the of the van said Escalar, the name of the submarine. Okay. In red letters, it was like, sort of like a sign, you know, Escalar. It, it's the very first thing I saw in Sao Paulo, Brazil. The same time they were looking for the submarine. Yeah. And what kind of coincidence is that? So it's sort of like every time I try to get away from this submarine, it pulls me back. It's sort of like it's sort of like they're, they want to be found. The, the 82 men on the submarine want to want to be found just because what we found what we did find out is through these old records uh, of the Imperial Navy of Japan is the story of what the, the U.S. Navy thinks happened to the submarine is not really what happened to the submarine. Okay. Okay, they think the submarine just lost power and and sunk, but really that's not really what happened to the submarine. It was depth charged and it imploded. And and um, so we, but we just can't find the submarine 
because the records aren't quite clear as far as where the submarine is. So I think the 82 men on the submarine and my uncle was one of them. They just want that submarine to be found so they could get peace. They just wanted the record to be known. And, um, and I'll tell you something else too. And I'm sorry, I'm keeping you. I know this is a oh, story. No worries. Uh, but I, I, when I was young, I always had something, I had something wrong with my blood and I used to get these really high fevers and I would have this dream when I was, when I was a kid and I didn't, I really didn't even know anything about the Escalar at this point. And I would have this dream that I was underwater and all of a sudden I would, I would, but I was underwater in some, in some kind of vessel and something would fall on top of it. Like I was inside and all of a sudden this vessel would like crash in on me. Oh wow! And then I would wake up and the fever would be broken. And this went on for years, this one dream. And and every time I'd wake up and the fever would be broken. And finally, I, I grew, outgrew this blood problem that I, ha- I had, whatever it was. I don't, I don't even know. My mom knew what it was. The doctor knew what it was. And I, I, this, was, this dream repeated for years and years and years as I was a kid because of this blood problem and this high fever that I would get. I'd wake up and this fever would go in. And it was the same dream over and over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. And you put it all together. I don't know, and I can't get away from this Escalar thing. So we've been look. We've been searching for this Escalar. I've been searching for this Escalar since the nineteen eighties, the, the submarine, and we can't find it. And um, you know, um, the, the, the 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 last person I was looking for was Tim Taylor, and he was look. He looked. He was searching for the the. Uh, he he was helping looking for the um, Malaysian Airlines. 370 you know that disappeared yes the, uh, the um and they haven't done that either obviously but he he we thought we had the coordinates and we got him involved and he actually scoured i mean he scoured where we thought it was from the old records from the from the imperial navy of japan and it wasn't there and we were so sure it was there and that was a couple of years ago and uh, it wasn't there so we're still looking for it but we can't find it and I get letters, uh, you can read on, on the blog, I get letters every day from the family of the Escalar. And, uh, you know, what's the latest, what's the latest, what's the, have you heard? Because all these people are dying, and, it, and it's so sad because, you know, you know, people are saying, you know, my, 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 my grandmother, who was like married to somebody that was on the Escalar, you know, she's, she's, she's sick with cancer or she's dying. She just wants to know what happened to her husband. And I can't give them answers because we can't find it you know and they just want to know and it's just it's just this the submarine is just gone and we just don't know where it is so but we're looking zoe allen is a student at boston university thank you for bringing us this story zoe I'm Bart Tachi. I am one of the podcast editors. Shannon is the other podcast editor. If you have a story that you want to pitch, feel free to email us at bunewsservice at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.